0: Gloom, despair, and agony on me, Deep, dark depression, excessive misery. If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all, Gloom, despair, and agony on me. Those sad hillbilly lyrics provide a good description of life in Israel during the time of the Judges. For approximately 350 years following Joshua's death, the children of Israel engaged in anarchy and apostasy. Some call it Israel's dark ages, when everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Sound familiar? The lawlessness and loosening of our spiritual moorings in America make me wonder if we might be heading into a dark time similar to ancient Israel. By the way, staying on the right side of God's blessing has nothing to do with luck. I'm Ron Jones, and this is Something Good.
1: Hello and welcome to Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones, I'm Brian Davis, thanks for stopping by and the book of Judges is a story of rebellion, confession and deliverance. And it's told over and over again, seven times in fact, seven consecutive generations of Israelites who kept repeating the same mistakes as the generations before. Today, Ron takes us back to ancient Israel as he continues his teaching series, Route 66, the ultimate road trip through the Bible. Stay with us now or look for us at somethinggoodradio.org, where you can listen to the broadcast on demand on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. And remember, you can subscribe to our podcast at Apple Podcasts, at Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, let's dive in with Ron and part two of his Something Good Radio message, Judges, anarchy, and apostasy. This is God's story.
0: (laughs) It is his story of redemption. So get ready and just just strap on your seatbelts for a moment. And let's go to Judges chapter 19, where we learn about a certain Levite who took a knife and cut up the body of his sexually abused concubine in a Jeffrey Dahmer-like manner. Dahmer has nothing on this guy. He then sent 12 pieces of her mangled flesh throughout all the territory, one piece to each of the 12 tribes of Israel. Now, he had offered his virgin daughters to a group of homosexual men who knocked on his door and demanded to have sexual relations with his male guest. Some guy had been visiting the Levite. And ironically, the Levite looks at these homosexual men demanding to have sex with his male guest and said, your desires are too wicked. And so he takes his concubine, throws her out the front door, locks the door, they abuse her all night long, and then dump her on the front doorstep of the Levite where he finds her the next morning. He takes a knife, cuts her up into 12 pieces, and sends it throughout the land. Now, I didn't make up that story. I didn't pull the story from last week's cable news cycle either. But sometimes we hear stories like that. No, this comes from the Bible. That story of untold darkness, depravity, and evil is found in God's holy word. Judges 19 and verse 30 says, And all who saw it said, Such a thing has never happened or been seen from the day that the people of Israel came up out of the land of Egypt until this day. Consider it, take counsel, and speak. We hear stories like that frequently. Again, the human heart is not evolving and getting better and better. The depth of depravity and darkness that leads to misery and gloom and excessive agony resides in every one of our hearts. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can understand it? It's why we need redemption. Why would God include such an evil story like this in the pages of his holy word? Well, for the same reason that a jeweler takes a handful of sparkling diamonds. And how does he put put those diamonds on display? He lays out a dark, black, velvet cloth and then sprays the diamonds on top of that and they sparkle in brilliance, don't they? God's grace, his mercy... His plan of redemption sparkles brilliantly against the black darkness of depravity that we read about in the book of Judges. In fact, on the balance of the 350 years, and here's a little glimmer of hope. You know, we talk about gloom, despair, and agony on me. That really just describes 100 of the 350 years. The rest of the time, when Israel went through one of their cycles and became so miserable, they cried out to God. He raised up one of the judges, one of the deliverers. And they fought their battles. They destroyed the Midianites, the Philistines, the Canaanites, whoever it was that had them in misery and in bondage. wiped them out. And then the Bible would say, and the land had rest for the next 20 years, or the land had rest for the next 40 years. So during Israel's dark ages, the balance of time in the 350 years, 250 of those years, two and a half times more than the rest of the time, God's grace was shining like a brilliant diamond against the backdrop of the blackness and darkness of the depravity we read about there. It reminds me of the book of Romans. It says, Where sin increased, grace superabounded. And that's what we get here in the book of Judges. You may find yourself in a place of gloom and despair and misery and agony right now because of some sad, sad consequences you're experience, experiencing based upon your rebellion and your disobedience. And Listen, cry out to God. And he is more than ready to raise up. No, he has already raised up his deliverer, the Lord Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for your sins, was buried, rose again from the dead. He has the power to deliver you from whatever has you in bondage. And then you can experience abundance and victory and rest in that promised land that he has for you. Now, There are 12 judges. I don't have time to mention the activities of all 12, but at least three of them I'll take the time to highlight here. Um, Their names, all of them, are worth mentioning. Othniel, Ehud, Shamgar, Deborah, Gideon, Tola, Jair, Jephthah, Ibzan, Elon, Abdon, and Samson. Uh, These are the great champions who stand on a stage like in a great hall of faith, They're not perfect people. We're going to highlight some of their imperfections. But God used imperfect instruments to carry on his purposes and help deliver uh, the people of Israel. Um, Let's take a look at three of them, starting with Deborah. Let's start with the only judge who is a female in the list. And let's not forget, she, she stands out as the only female judge at a time when it was rare for women to assume leadership roles. And she is a reminder to me, as is Queen Esther, as is Mary Magdalene and the two women who were the first to the tomb, the empty tomb in the Gospels. Remind me that uh, God has always been pro-women. Yes. Come on now. God has always been pro-women. You don't have to sing, ladies. I am woman hear me roar just follow Jesus just be a gospel person because everywhere the gospel has gone it has elevated women and I think Deborah reminds us of that in a dark place in Israel's history a woman rises up because the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord they endured heavy oppression under the Canaanites for 20 years they were at the end of a cycle And they cried out to God. And Deborah was judging Israel at that time and she used her considerable influence to raise up an army. And she leaned upon a guy named Barak to do that. Now, I call him Barak the Wimp. Barak was a military leader. He had access to 10,000 men in an army. And he was probably just as weary as anybody else of the Canaanites. But when Deborah said, hey, Barak, raise up your army of 10,000 men and go defeat the Canaanites. You know what Barak said? I won't go, Deborah, unless you go with us. What a wimp. Man up, dude. I'm sorry. You know what Deborah said to Barak? She said she would go. But nevertheless, the road on which you are going will not lead to your glory, for the Lord will sell Sisera, that was the commander of the Canaanites, will sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. That was Deborah's way of saying, Barak, you're a wimp. You're a wimp. And that day, the Lord handed the Israelites a victory over the Canaanites, and the Bible says there was rest in the land for the next 40 years. That's Judges chapter 4. In chapter 5, Deborah and Barak, write a song, the song of Deborah and Brock. They became rock stars in Israel after that, and that, that's Deborah. She, she is a woman of wisdom, a wow woman, I call her. And she's worthy of study and meditation upon her life. Another judge is Gideon. If, if, if Deborah was a wow woman, a woman of wisdom, Gideon is a man of valor. Valor means courage. The Midianites had been beating up Israel and destroying their economy for about seven years. Every time Israel would grow some crops, the Midianites would come and, you know, trash the crops or steal the crops. And that's when the angel of the Lord said to Gideon, the Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. Can you imagine, you know, just kind of doing your thing during the day and the angel of the Lord comes up to you and basically says, you know, John, I've got a plan you mighty man of courage and valor. <laughs> well, if you know anything about Gideon and you read his story in chapters six through eight, Gideon was anything but a mighty man of valor and courage when the angel of the Lord uh, found him. In fact, when uh, the angel of the Lord appears to him in chapter six, Gideon is hiding. He's hiding in the wine press. And he's trying to hide some of the grain because the Midianites have been stealing their grain for seven years and he's tired of it. But he, he's not out facing the enemy, he's hiding. And the angel kind of speaks, I would say, into his uh, potentiality. Gideon reminds me a little bit of the, of the lion in the Wizard of Oz, who every time he said the word courage, you know, he, he stuttered a little bit.
1: Courage, you know. He wasn't a man of valor when the angel came. We'll be right back with more of today's Something Good message from Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Today's message is part of Ron's teaching series, Route 66, the ultimate road trip through the Bible. And as you may have heard, Ron has written two companion guides by the same title, a pair of beautifully designed hardcover volumes that cover both the Old and New Testaments and all eight road trips that he'll be taking you on right here on Something Good Radio. When you give your gift of $50 or more to support the media ministry of Something Good, Ron will gladly send you both volumes. That's volumes one and two of Ron's book, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. This is our way of saying thank you for your generous gift to support the ministry of Something Good Radio. Give online at somethinggoodradio.org or over the phone. Our office number is 757-276-1099 or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245 Virginia Beach, Virginia 23456. Now let's get back to Ron and the rest of today's Something Good Radio message. Judges, Anarchy, and Apostasy. Now, do you remember Baxter says
0: Judges is a book of high, li- high calling and low living? Deborah was a high-calling, high-living kind of person. Uh, Gideon is kind of a a low-living guy in the sense that he had a low self-esteem. He didn't think very highly of himself, wasn't a man of courage. But the angel brings this high-calling. And uh, eventually, through a lot of different things you can read about in Judges 6-8, through Gideon uh, defeated the Midianites with a much smaller army than he anticipated. And the Lord saw potential in Gideon, a mighty man of valor. No, that's not me. Just remember, God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. Wow. Wow. And that, that's, that's how he approached Gideon. Gideon, I see potential in you. You don't see in yourself, you mighty man of valor. And the Lord was patient with him and drew out of him some great courage. I almost imagine Gideon uh, singing these words written by Bill Gaither, I am a promise, I am a possibility, I am a promise with a capital P, I'm a great big bundle of potentiality. He wasn't singing that in chapter six, but by chapter eight, he believed it now. And some of you are wondering, can God use somebody like me? Yeah, he can. You're a mighty man or a mighty woman of something, and he has plans for you and sees potential in you that you don't see yourself. There's one more judge worth mentioning. Deborah, the woman of wisdom. Gideon, uh, the man of valor. And then we have Samson. You've probably heard of Samson. You haven't heard of Othniel and Ehud and Abdon. But Samson is somebody who rises up out of the, the Old Testament history books. And it's a sad story. If you look at Gideon, and he's a little wimpy and a little unsure of himself, and you don't see the potential in him, you look at Samson and say, this guy has got all the goods. He was a strong man, a he-man. But he had a she-weakness. I mean, he, he, he had all the potential somebody would have to be a deliverer, a great deliverer, and his potential was on display. I mean, he was popping muscles everywhere in places you didn't even know you had muscles. But Samson had an eye for the women, and he kept nursing that. Do you remember pride, anger, lust, laziness? His Canaanite that dogged him till the day he died was his wandering eye. He even took a Nazarite vow which restricted the length of his, his hair. He let his hair grow long. He couldn't touch certain things or eat certain things or drink certain things. But, but he, he neglected his vow to the chagrin of his parents. Uh, you read in there the story of Samson and Delilah. She was the one that finally tricked him into revealing the secret to his strength, you know, his long hair. And when she cut his hair, The Canaanites come running in, the Philistines rather. And they cut his hair and he loses his strength. It's not the end of the story. Uh, In in chapter 16, we find Samson with his eyes gouged out. He's a prisoner. And uh, he just asks the Lord for one last bit of strength to reach to the pillars there in the room where he is and he pulls them such that the building comes down upon the pagan leaders and the gods and, and Samson dies. The he man with the she weakness, he fulfilled God's purpose, okay? You're never gonna get in the way of God's purpose, but Samson never reached his potential. He was full of potential. Remember, if you don't destroy the Canaanites, The Canaanites will eventually destroy you. The Lord says it's evil in his eyes. Don't call good what the Lord calls evil and say, I can handle this. I've got it under control. During the time of the judges, every man did what was right in his own eyes. They kinged themselves and that's a very, very dangerous place, but it was also a time when God's grace shined, where sin increased, the Bible says in Romans 5 and verse 20, the grace of God abounded more. That's good news, isn't it? We, We need reminders from judges the dark, depressing, agonizing consequences of sin and depravity But quickly, we need to be reminded of the grace of God and His redemption plan. Don't let the cycle of history repeat itself. Be the generation that says, No, I'm I'm not going to follow in the footsteps of my father or my mother, the mistakes that they made. Or set the example for your kids, for your grandkids. Be ruthless with the desires of the flesh. Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. There's self-denial, not self-indulgence. There's death, taking up your cross. Die to that thing that will eventually kill you and destroy you. And it'll be a painful death because the flesh wars against the spirit and the spirit wars against the flesh. There is a battle going on inside of the redeemed heart in which also resides the sin, sin nature and you have to ruthlessly in the power of the Holy Spirit go after it putting on the full armor of God that you may defeat the schemes of the devil dress for spiritual victory and go into your day every day knowing that the Canaanites are coming the Canaanites are coming The Philistines are coming. The Midianites are coming. But King Jesus, our deliverer, the judge of heaven and earth, has already won the victory, right? And we appropriate that as we bow before him and kneel before him, not only as our Savior, but as our King, as our judge, as the King of kings and Lord of lords that he is. And then the abundance and the power and the victory and the rest comes. I know you've probably been experiencing some gloom, despair and agony and misery. That doesn't have to define your life, child of God. Doesn't have to define your life. As long as we do what God tells us to do, pick up the resources He's given to us. And more than even on balance, but in the totality of our lives, we can live
1: in that promised land. Thanks so much for joining us for today's Something Good radio message, Judges, Anarchy and Apostasy. And Dr. Ron Jones joins me now. Ron, much like the seven generations of Israelites in the book of Judges, All of us can sometimes go through these cycles of disobedience ourselves. And when we do, it's not unusual for many of us to think our past mistakes will prohibit God from ever being able to use us again for His glory. What would you say to someone who is feeling that way right now? Brian,
0: the first thing I'll say is this. God has a long and storied history of taking limited people and doing legendary things through them of taking sinners and doing the supernatural. I think of Saul of Tarsus, the murderer, who became a missionary, (laughs) of Gideon, the wimp, who became a warrior. Uh, The Word of God is filled with examples like this, Abraham, Jacob, King David, Peter. All of them struggled at one time or another. And yet God was able to use them to bear fruit, spiritual fruit in the lives of many people. And he can do the same for anyone who is in Christ, no matter the mistakes of the past. And watch this, Brian, no matter the mistakes of the present or the future. Yes, there must be confession and repentance. Of course, that's part of getting back into proper fellowship with God. Cry out to him. Ask him to save you from this sin pattern because you know you can't save yourself. Humble yourself before his mighty hand, and he will exalt you in due time. He will lift you up. He will use you for his glory. I don't want anyone listening today to believe the lies of the enemy, that your mistakes are too great for you to be of any godly use. Now that's Satan talking, not God. What God says is there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What God says is that I will restore what the locusts have eaten. What God says is, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. What God says is, I don't call the qualified. I qualify the called. And if you are in Christ, you are called a son or a daughter of God. Confess, repent, cry out to God, even as you're struggling with sin, And He
1: will deliver you. You know, I think many of our listeners needed to hear that word of encouragement today, Ron. Thanks so much for sharing it. Well, Ron, as usual, the clock is winding down. But let's talk for a moment about where you're headed tomorrow right here on Something Good Radio. Sure thing, Brian. Next up is one of the coolest stories in
0: the Bible. It's a love story maybe the best one ever written, better than Romeo and Juliet. In a way, this particular love story is a foreshadowing of the larger love story, uh, which is between Christ and his church. I'm speaking of the book of Ruth, just four chapters, uh, neatly tucked away among the 12 historical books of the Old Testament. But Brian, it is a story of romance and redemption that would make Hollywood screenwriters green with envy. It begins in tragedy and bitterness, but it ultimately ends in triumph and
1: blessing. I'm looking forward to sharing it with you. We look forward to it as well, Ron. That's next time when Dr. Ron Jones takes us to the book of Ruth in his teaching series, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. Join us then for something good for Ron and the entire team here at something good radio. I'm Brian Davis. Thanks for listening.